0: welcome to this week's episode of the compass equip podcast i am your host pastor evan and here at compass bible church we exist to make disciples of jesus christ by reaching people for christ teaching people to be like christ and training people to serve christ and everything that we do here at compass including this podcast and even the vacations we take is to fulfill the mission of reaching and teaching and training Well, church, we are excited to continue our series, but before we continue, be sure to be praying for your pastors, particularly be praying for Pastor Hayden and his wife, Kayla, and the little boy, Titus, as they are on vacation this week, getting some well-earned rest. Again, they're doing vacation for what purpose? To reach, teach, and train, and so they need to rest up. Rest in the Lord, be re-energized, be able to visit some friends so they can be built up and then come back here and get back to work. And so I know that they're ready to be back here, but be praying that they're able to slow down, to enjoy the Lord, to enjoy one another, and to be ready to gain some insight on their time off to slow down so that they can come back here and continue to help lead this church all right, well, Compass, we are continuing in our verse-by-verse study in the Gospel of Matthew as we continue our series, Counter-Cultural Kingdom. This is about judging others based on Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. And I'd love to read that to you right now. Jesus says, beginning in verse 1, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. Lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. All right. Well, compass the main, main thrust of Jesus's words for us as a church is to first stop playing God in your condemnation of other people's sins. But instead, humbly submit to his standard and instruction so that you can address other people's sins correctly. And this is what Jesus is talking about. He's not ruling all judgment out as we see clearly uh, throughout scripture that we know that judgment is not um, Christians are not supposed to not judge. for example, Matthew 7 verses 15 to 18, we are supposed to judge if someone is a false prophet or or not we also supposed to judge with right judgment, Jesus says in John 7, 24. Also, we are supposed to judge every spirit to see if they are from God because a lot of false prophets are out in the world, 1 John 4, 1. In 1 Corinthians 5, 11-13, we are supposed to judge those within the church, especially those who are sinning. And there's specific instructions God gives us in order to judge correctly. But in order to do that, we need to get out of God's throne in our judgment and instead humbly submit to him. And there's three ways we do that. Point number one, we have to judge cautiously. God calls us to discern, to to judge correctly. And that means, though, we have to remember he is a judge and he's given us as delegates, as ambassadors to help his will be furthered in this in this world. And so we want to make sure that we submit to, okay, what what does the Bible describe what what I just saw? You know, I saw something happen. What does the Bible describe it? Because it subjects myself to his definition of reality. You know, if I'm upset, I have to ask, why am I upset? Am I upset because God's reputation's on the line? Or I wanted, what I wanted to happen didn't happen. And so really, I'm subjugating myself to his concerns over my own. And also, I need to make sure I ask God, how he wants me to proceed Based on the revelation of it through His Word, and so I need to make sure before I act, I need to check myself. The little phrase, "Check yourself before you wreck yourself," and so we need to make sure when if I'm judging people, I need to judge cautiously. But in order, uh, in order for me to judge righteously, I also need to judge humbly remembering that I have a log in my own eye that I need to deal with before I take out the speck in the other person I need to te- take the speck out of the other person so I so that they can see clearly but I need to make sure I take the log out of my own eye recognizing that without Christ I'm in the same situation and that they need to be like me with Christ not because I'm special it's because God saved me and he needs to save them in order to for them to see clearly and so I need to be humble knowing that I'm not the solution Christ is and so I need to humbly point to him to, you know, humbly point to that him so that they can be delivered from the speck that is in their eye, and also we need to judge wisely. There's a, the uncomfortable verse in verse six talking about do not you know tossing things that are valuable or holy to dogs and pigs, and when Jesus is saying don't waste your time. There's a time and place for everything. And it's the time and place to try to take the speck out of a pig and dog's eye. Someone who's obstinate to the Lord, who hates the Lord, who does not want to change. It's not worth it. Instead, you need to do something else. Like I mentioned in the sermon, like water is not the solution to putting out all all fires. For, you know, wood and paper and fabric, you know, yes, use water. But you can't use water in a grease fire or use water in an electrical fire. Instead, you need to use different things to be able to put that fire out. And the same thing goes with God's wisdom. You need to use the right wisdom to be able to help the person to see. So you need to judge cautiously, humbly, and wisely. Well, I appreciate the you know, questions that were sent in. And I have a couple that I want to uh, answer that were based on what was sent in. Is So the first one deals with the pigs. So someone asked, can you further explain pigs being unclean? You know, as reference, I mentioned how pigs are unclean. They're said so in the law, uh, but also mentioned that they live in their filth. They walk around and they love the mud. They love to eat, you know, junk, and they they just unclean. They want to be dirty, but that's not necessarily the full picture. And so we'll get to the full question: If they are deemed unclean, why should we not follow the Old Testament law of not eating pork? Great question. What would you say to someone who believes that it's important to avoiding eating unclean animals? Very good question. And so what do you mean be them being unclean? I think there's a the descriptive behind it, the way that they behave and the way that they eat. Uh, but really it's based on scripture. So Leviticus 8, excuse me, Leviticus 7, verses 7 through 8 says, And the pig, because, it's, because it parts the hoof and in cloven footed, but does not chew the cud, it is unclean to you. You shall not eat of any of their flesh and shall not touch their carcass. They are unclean to you. And then Deuteronomy fourteen eight says the same thing. And so what God is doing in the Old Testament, he's giving, giving laws to not all people, Is giving laws to Israel. For them to obey. For what reason? So that he can have a kingdom of, of priests, a people set apart. For what reason? So that the nations looking around would know that God is real. He is. He is. You know. He is God. He is just, but he is merciful and steadfast in his love and patient and forgiving. But he needs a people group. To, he wanted to use a people group, the Israelites, to show that to the world. And so he says, "Hey, I want you to eat differently. Everyone else eats bacon over here." I don't want you to, because I want to show this people, you need to be holy. You need to be clean. You don't want to ha- live a life in the way that certain things are lived. And, you know, one of them is being animals, you know, what animals to eat. And so to be separate because the world needs to know there is God. But the question is, why do we still eat bacon? I mean, we have bacon at every man's breakfast and some of the ladies breakfast. You know, God says they're unclean. What should we do? Well, good thing the Bible talks about that. And so if you're listening to this, make sure you write down Acts chapter 10, verses nine through 16, Acts 10, nine through 16. Because again, if you think of pigs, especially in the new Testament, you have to associate that with Gentiles. Because even in archeology, span if you dig in Israel, there's a lack of something, pigs and pig bones. Why? Because they're unclean. But there's a, if there are pig bones with confidence, people can say, oh, this is a Gentile region. I mean, Gentile does mean ethnos, meaning uh, eth- you know ethnic groups, meaning the nations. And so, Whenever you see pigs in the New Testament, you think, Oh, he's in a Gentile region. You know, he Jesus casted the demons into pigs, Gentile re- region. Um, and so with that in Acts, Jesus has already ascended into heaven. He rose from the dead and ascended into heaven in a, in the in the Holy Spirit is now the apostles and in the apostles. And now the apostles are advancing the kingdom, starting in Jerusalem and then Judea, and then Samaria into the, the nations. And then in Acts chapter 10, uh, there's a setting up a how the Gentiles are na- now being brought in. Now there's a Roman centurion, uh, Cornelius, who is um who has being who's being drawn by God. And so with that, he's also setting up Peter. And so Peter, um has a dream, and he has it in, in Acts chapter 10, again. Acts chapter ten, verses nine through sixteen. Has a dream where there's a tapestry that came down, and then he saw all the animals, the reptiles, the birds, all these, all every animal, the clean and unclean. And a voice from from heaven says, "Rise, Peter, kill and eat." But Peter said, "By no means, Lord. For I've I've never eaten anything that's not uh, that is not common or unclean." And the voice came to him as again a second time, "What God has made clean, do not call common." This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once into heaven. So three times, and a, a, a number one of the numbers of completion, you know, seven and also three. And so G- God is trying to emphasize to Peter, "Hey, what was now, you know, unclean has now been made clean." Really, to show that what the old law was pointing toward has been fulfilled completely in Jesus Christ. And so the Old Testament has been completely fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so there's certain laws, ceremonial law, like unclean pigs, and civil law, um, like in terms of certain j- justice rulings, are now fulfilled completely in Christ. And the moral law continues. Do not murder, do not kill, do not commit adultery. But the reason why we eat bacon and we gladly eat bacon is because what was, was now... Uh, what was what was unclean has now made been made clean by God. which really pointed to further the, is an illustration to Cornelius, a Gentile who's now being brought in who is unclean, who needed to go through a process that you can read in Leviticus to become clean so he can approach God. Now that's done. He's become clean because of the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and his belief in him. Now, his, his, Jesus' blood washes him clean. And as an illustration, he's like, now you can eat all meat, knowing that anyone from all nations can be made clean through Jesus Christ. And so that's how I would answer, you know, pigs being unclean and also why we can eat bacon now. Another question that was set in, uh, sent in was was this. When addressing the sin of your children and Particularly, it sounds like teenagers, uh, your child or teen, and they continue to refuse uh, refuse help or repent. Do we give give up or stop addressing it, or or wait for God to handle it? That's an excellent question, but especially based on this sermon. Now, as a parent, we have uh, we have one job, and I want to walk through some verses. one job Deuteronomy chapter six is he call, uh, it was a call to Israel. That same principle is called to us, saying you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And these words should not depart from your heart. And here's verse seven. You shall teach them diligently to your children. So what is our job as parents? To Teach them diligently who God is and to love him. We should talk when we sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You should bind them on, a, on the sign of your hand. You should put in the frontlets between your eyes. You should write them on the doorpost of your house. Meaning the teachings of God should be everywhere around your home. and They need to be talked about all the time. Not just a family devotional time that you have, but just all the time. In the car, in the commutes, at dinner, at breakfast, bedtime, anytime. We need to talk about who God is and how we can love him. Now, Proverbs has a verse on this. You know, what's our job as parents? Well, we need to do Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so our job with parenting is part of his protection. Really, it's to train. We need to train these kids to know and follow Christ. As 2 Timothy 3.15 would say, we need to familiarize them with Scripture, knowing that Scripture makes them wise into salvation. And so what about what about when they sin? Well, one, Proverbs 13.24 says, whoever spares the rod hates his son. So if we spare our children from discipline, really and really, we hate them. And that's the hard truth if we do not if we spare our children from discipline we hate them but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him but this is not we're not talking about child abuse we're talking about discipline that does hurt but again for the purpose of pointing them back to God as I mentioned, at least in the 11 o'clock service and maybe the nine is the point of church discipline is restoration. The point of discipline, your children is restoration back to the blessing of your family. Right now they have exited the blessing of the family. and You need a discipline back. Like a, when a sheep goes astray, the shepherd will whacks him with the rod so that the sheep gets back in line. Why? Because it's what's what, it's what's best for the sheep. Church discipline. When we Call someone to repent. Bring witnesses. Call someone to repent. They refuse to repent. We bring it before the church. They hoping that they will repent. If they still repent, we do not no longer associate them with them. Why? Because that isolation is supposed to it's supposed to feel pain. the The isolation is supposed to be painful because that's a, a, a taste of what hell is going to be like. Completely separated from the blessing and loving of the Lord. Instead, they're going to feel the exact justice and wrath of God in hell. And so with that, with that reminder, they're going to, they need to go, I need to repent. I need to turn back to God. And then they're restored. And so that's what discipline's about. And so a couple other passages, Colossians 3, uh, 20 to 21, they call children to obey, but for fathers not to provoke our children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And so we need to make sure in our discipline, we're pointing them to hope, not discouragement. In Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, again, children are supposed to obey their parents that it'll go way well with them. But verse four, fathers do not provoke your children to anger. Don't exasperate them. Don't cause them to give up hope. Like I can't do good, I can't be good enough in front of you. Instead, let your discipline, point them to Christ and to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Something to help you with, especially small children and any children, anyone, but especially with children, when you're disciplining them, make them understand where in scripture you are talking about. Like my son, he was given to his anger. And he's he angry, he's mad at a thing that he, we told him to do, probably to go to bed or to put something down that like we're going to the car. And he got mad, so he, he threw his toy. And so I spanked him. Well, I took him to a room and I explained to him, even though he's two and he's crying, he knows what's about to happen. I said, hey, you were given to your anger. God says not to be angry like the, you were. You disrespected mom and dad, and God calls you to honor your father and mother. And this is what we're going to do, but I want to bring you back. And so... I, I spanked him, he cried, I held him, I said, hey, I want to pray for you, I prayed for him, I prayed that God would forgive him of his the sins, so that he would be saved, um, but also to know that, hey, I want you back into the blessing of our family, you, d- you left, you went astray, I'm bringing you back because I love you, and so with that, with, with your team, be, be sure, if if you're not already, be sure that you are, and I hope that you are, and I pray that you are, and I believe maybe you are, that you are disciplining them, it's finding different ways that something that hurts. You're probably not going to spank your 13 year old, and actually, you should go to the Family Matters conference on our YouTube page. We have a playlist called the Family Matters conference, and one of the our speakers talked about talked about this. I, I refer you to that. But sometimes you got to find something that that hurts, that reminds them, "Hey, this is just a, t- a small taste of hell you're going to experience if you don't repent." My goal is for you to, re- to be restored and to communicate that to them. Hey, this is going to hurt. But I'm hoping that you, you change because ultimately I care more about your soul. And if you're unrepentant, you're not saved. And this is your future. And so I hope that this brings you back, that this makes you repent and turn. And so be sure that you're explaining that to them. Don't deceive your kids. If they're not believers, don't deceive that they are. You have to help them understand, hey, what did the Bible describe your life? Are you saved or not? And so you need to make sure you're disciple accordingly. Are you evangelizing your child right now in the season of their unbelief? Or are you discipling in, in their belief? And so if they're obstinate, probably not a believer. And you need to witness to them. You need to let them know, hey, according to the Bible, you might not, you probably aren't saved. And so I need to evangelize to you. And as long as you're living in my house, this is the way this is going to roll. And if could become so obstinate Meet with your pastors, get, we get witnesses together, we'll work with you. And if it comes to a point, we need to make some, taking some extreme measures like kicking you out of the house. We as a church can walk you through that if that's the decision you ne- need to make, or we can have other people h- try to help counsel them and evangelize to them and point to them. And so I hope that answers your question, but no, do not give up. You don't stop addressing it. No, you address it and address it biblically. And so bringing other witnesses and other people in your life so that they can help you and to either evangelize to your child or to help you disciple your child. All right, well, Compass, I hope you get through these application questions you know, this week and that you are prepared to share and to encourage um, your groups. So be sure to sh- uh, write it down so that you can encourage the group uh, to, to love and good works, as Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says. Now, a couple of things I want to help you with. Is, I mentioned this in the life group leaders, is chapter, verse six. Sometimes there is a time to move on from people, and pe- especially people who are obstinate, meaning they are just, they're, every time you try to approach them, they attack. They're people who just will not, re- who refuse to uh, repent. And what you need to do is to be faithful to evangelize to them, share the gospel, but eventually also it's time to move on. And there's a time and place for that. And so with that, if someone's obstinate, as it is maybe time to dust off the feet. Tell them, hey, as they did in Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 18, Acts chapter 19, to say, hey, it was necessary that the word of God was spoken to you, but you thrust it aside and you, you and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life and behold, returning to someone else. And that's hard. But again, that separation is in hopes, hopes to lead them to repentance and restoration in, in God. And then finally uh, I'd love for you guys to make sure you're not just commentators that you're applicators that with with the questions to talk about, making sure you're judging cautiously and and judging humbly that you recognize, okay, this is how I failed to do it. Share with that with your life group so that you guys can encourage one another knowing that, Hey, we need to submit to God in in all of this Um, knowing that I need to make sure I'm not defending my preferences or my definitions or what I think is right. Instead, I need to make sure I'm turning to the Lord. And if you need help, talk to your life group leader. If you need further help, Talk to one of us pastors. All right, Compass. We have a few announcements that we want you to know about. One, baptism service is coming up on October the fifteenth. Be sure to be praying for those who are going to be baptized. Pray that God be glorified through their testimony, and that people would be God would use it to for, to save more people. Just let you know there's only four spots left. And so if you still need to register for baptisms, if you have turned from your sins and trusted your faith in Christ, or you know someone in your group that has encourage them to follow through in obedience to God, you can register right now. Registrations are still open and we'd love for you to follow through in obedience to Christ to be baptized and everyone else let's celebrate and let's encourage our brothers and sisters who are declaring their faith in front of everyone. Next, men, Compass Men, we uh, not only have a, another workout scheduled on October the 7th, we have our men's breakfast on October the 14th at 9 a.m. And so, man, I'm excited to teach you guys again. So there'll be 9 a.m. October the 14th. We'll have breakfast. We'll have a hearty food. There will be bacon because we're allowed to. And we love for you to be there and make sure that we're bringing other men with us. All right, well, parents of kindergarten and fifth graders, it's Christmas season for y'all. And so decorate your house, get the music ready because rehearsals are about to begin. Rehearsals begin next Sunday. And so be sure to sign up now. There'll still be a sign up period a little bit after, but not shortly after. And there's limited spots. So if you have a kindergarten and a fifth grader, sign them up for the kids Christmas choir so that they can have these little, you know, beautiful gospel truths in their hearts and their minds as they sing them. And hopefully one day God uses them to lead them to salvation. once again, rehearsals begin on October, uh, October 1st, and they'll be after the 11 a.m. Service. And then finally, if you have not gone through Exploring Compass or you know someone that has not gone through Exploring Compass, encourage them to sign up now. Next one coming up is November the 12th and 19th. Registrations are open. Uh, This will be uh, after the 9, excuse me, at the 11 a.m. service. And so uh, be sure that you, if you have not gone through it, sign up for it today. This is the last Exploring Compass of 2023. So we don't want you to miss out so that you can get plugged into community and you can get pl- plugged into a place to serve. All right, well, Compass, we, I loved being able to teach to you guys this weekend. Again, be praying for Pastor Hayden to be able to rest well. And I will, we will see you guys either in life group or at midweek, or we'll see you next Sunday.